the, is it morning yet, deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Get any sized iced coffee for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. And sweeten the deal when you pair it with a baked apple or pumpkin and creme pie. After all, why wait to treat yourself? Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Whatever you're saving up for, a CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 5.50% APY on an 8-month CD special or 5.00% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC. Welcome to Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and equipped through this podcast as we have conversations with friends from around the world. You can subscribe to our podcast and go to our website, firebornministries.com, and sign up for our email list to stay up to date on Fireborn Ministries. And may you have your own adventures in the Spirit. And now we hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hey, thank you so much for joining Adventures in the Spirit. I'm your host, Jared Lasky, and I want to encourage you guys to feel free to enroll in my e-course, Entry-Level Prophecy, so that you, you can learn how to hear God, how to prophesy, how to encourage, comfort, and edify people everywhere that, that you go. The link is provided that for Entry-Level Prophecy, available on charismacourses.com. But guys, today I'm excited to introduce you to my new friend, Rhett Barbary. He attended Troy State University and is also the author of the novel, Thank God for Bull Weevils. His hobbies include the Old West and Civil War history, and on occasion, a good or bad game of golf. He's self-employed in marketing and advertising, or he currently resides in Clanton, Alabama, with his wife Amy and two children, Dyson and Macy. And today we're talking about his new book. I want to introduce you to Rhett Barbary. Rhett, thank you for joining Adventures in the Spirit. Hey, thank you for having me, Jared. Well, it's an honor and a pleasure, Rhett. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about yourself, maybe even how you were saved or how God called you into marketing. Absolutely. Uh, let me clear up one thing real quick. Uh, I did write the, the novel, Thank God for Bow Weevils. My newest one is the George Washington Carver effect. Right. It's more than peanuts. And inside the book is the novel itself that I wrote in 2012. So, uh, the, the prophetic part is the George Washington Carver effect, 12 years old, uh, attending vacation Bible school in Andalusia, Alabama, in South Alabama. And um, I, I went forward uh, from an invitation there at vacation Bible school and accepted Christ as my savior, uh, got baptized. And I, I, I must say, Jared, it was uh, even though I know the, you know, the Lord came into my heart that day, it wasn't until I was around 23 that I really begin to understand what it means to have a personal relationship with him. And, and it's been some, like many people, some rough roads, but some uh, uh, necessary roads to get where I am and, and you know, what I believe and, and kind of God shaping me, so to speak. Right. And how did God lead you into marketing? I did not finish college, so I didn't have a certain degree. Uh, my father had always been in sales and uh, done pretty well. I had the personality for sales, the gift of gab, 
And um, so I just started kind of like following him through different things. Uh, first, I think it was uh, life insurance. That was tough. And then uh, it was furniture and then floor covering sales for about 10 years where I actually called on carpet dealers uh, in the 80s and then into the 90s. And then I actually uh, got into a publication, sports publication that I created and I began to sell some advertising. And from there is where I got into the uh, advertising sales and have been doing that ever since. That's awesome. I just want to encourage people to glorify God right where they're at. Absolutely. And I know that you've got a lot of adventures uh, that God has revealed through you in you, through your career. And today we're talking about your new book, The George Washington Carver Effect. Right. Why and how did God call you to write that? Well, it, it actually started with the first book that you had mentioned, Thank God for Bow Weevils. And this was around uh, 2008. I was uh, teaching a youth group in Talladega, Alabama, where they have the, the racing, you know, the Talladega 500. That's what everybody brings up when I say Talladega. So, but uh, I was teaching a youth group and I had run out of lessons to teach. And I was driving home and I, and I realized, um, hey, I don't, you know, I don't have anything prepared. And I usually did. And I just said a little prayer as I was driving down the road. And I said, Lord, I said, what, what am I going to pray on or t excuse me, teach on tonight? And uh, out of all things, what happened just a very split second, I asked that question, a picture of the Bow Weevil Monument in Enterprise, Alabama popped in my head. Now, I know your audience, some of them may not know what a Bow Weevil is or what it does. So I'm going to explain it real quick. A Bow Weevil is an agricultural pest. Uh, it's about the size of a quarter. And it uh, it goes into the bowl, cotton bowl, lays its eggs, then it dies. But when the eggs hatch, they eat the fiber that's inside the, the cotton. And so when the bowl opens up, there's no cotton. Now, what is so crucial about that is in the early, you know, all through the Civil War, even up into the early 1900s, cotton was the number one crop. It was what they referred to as the cash crop. So... What happened in the early 1900s was the bow weevil, weevil infestation. It just uh, just devoured the cotton, devastated the economy throughout the whole South. And uh, because that cotton was the economic wheels that turned the economy. So anyway, I, I, I knew right off the bat that it would be a great lesson about overcoming adversity with what happened because that's when George Washington Carver entered the picture. He was at Tuskegee Institute and he was up early. He'd get up early every morning and go for a walk. And he would ask the Lord, how can I best help the farmers? And God just told him, he said, gather up a handful of peanuts, take them in your laboratory and let's see what we can make from them. And with him doing that, he locked himself in a, in his laboratory for about six days. When he was done, he had six new uses for the peanut and things just began to explode supernaturally with the economy throughout the South. And, and basically people realize we don't have to count on cotton anymore. There's actually another pathway that we can go. So it was during that time uh, when I, I taught the lesson and I realized when I was actually writing the lesson for the youth that the Lord wanted, he was impressing on me. I want more than that. And I knew he wanted me to write the book, which became, thank God for bow weevils. But Jared, when I was, um, and thank you for letting me tell this story in, in detail. I That's remember I was uh, contemplating how I was going to write George Washington Carver into the novel. And I was in the backyard on the lawnmower cutting grass that day, had that on my mind. And I, and I just clearly heard the Lord tell me, he said, this story will have an effect on the economy of the United States. 
Now I can promise you, I'm not smart enough to, that's not my thought. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. My response to the Lord, I wasn't arguing with him, but I was uh, trying to understand. And I said, Lord, I said, how is growing peanuts going to have an effect on our economy in this day and time? I said, even the South is much more industrialized than it used to be. And he didn't say another word to me about it for 10 years. And um, so I went ahead and, and finished the novel, writing the novel, thank God for Bo Weevils, thinking that that's what he was actually talking about. And, and then to a great degree, it was the story in itself. It was in 2018 when I was rereading the section about Carver and, um, you know, how he would meet with the Lord every morning and pray. And the Lord told me that morning, 10 years later, he said, it's not about growing peanuts. It's about prayer. Mm. And with along with that, he gave me several prophetic impressions that I wrote down, put them on my computer, didn't know what to do with them until this this past year. So and you can um, any other questions and I can just kind of piecemeal it into you. But that's that's kind of I'm setting it up for you. So, well, I love it. So you mentioned the prophetic words and impressions that God gave you yeah. to write this book, to talk about George Washington Carver. What was God showing you? Actually, when he told me that to begin with, I just I kind of thought that it, you know, I knew it involved George Washington Carver and the story of the bow weevil and what happened. And I saw God's hand of providence through that whole thing when I was uh, writing and reading about it and the research that I did to the point many times when I would just see things, I'd have, I'd have tears in my eyes just realizing how God works through people to accomplish what he wants, you know, to get accomplished. Right. Um, with Carver himself, the he's a hero of mine. I mean, big time. I uh, wish I'd had a chance to meet him. And I know one day I, I will. But uh, what was really amazing was um, at the, a lot of people have also heard of Booker T. Washington, which they were both at Tuskegee. And Booker T. Washington is the one that got Carver to come to Tuskegee. And one thing I noticed uh, was that Booker T. Washington was really the name that everybody had heard. He was kind of um, much well, more well-known than George Washington Carver. But then it seemed like that right about the time that Booker T. Washington died, then God brought Carver to the forefront with, a, with the uses of the peanuts. And then it's, I mean, if you just look into his history, he was visited by, you know, presidents. Uh, he went to the Capitol and actually spoke to the, um, I think it was the Senate or the House at one time. Henry Ford was a good friend of his. Thomas Edison tried to give him a six-figure income and pull him away from Tuskegee, and he wouldn't do it. He said, this is where I can do the best for my race. So he stayed there at Tuskegee. So there's just so many amazing things about George Washington Carver that I love. Yeah, and then your book, The George Washington Carver Effect, there's two points that you want to bring to the reader. Right. One is the need to close up some of the past injustices of our nation. And the second is God calling us to posture ourselves like George Washington Carver did during the bull weevil infestation and to pray, to seek the face of God. What are some of the past injustices that we must address and how can we do that as individuals and as a nation? Okay. One uh, is slavery. And then also like, here in Alabama, like probably many other states, the, the lynchings of, of blacks in the uh, 1800s and early 1900s. So those things need to be dealt with. Uh, innocent bloods that cries out from the ground from, you know, uh, the lynchings of, of blacks. 
the second thing is the atrocities that we committed against the American Indians. Mm -hmm. And in the book, I talk about just mentioned two of them. One happened in Alabama itself. And then one happened, I think it was in Montana and involved uh, George Custer and with what he did in the Black Hills. Then we move on to um, uh, abortion, the sin of abortion. We, you know, so much of our own generation is responsible for that, for not standing up against it. The way that we have uh, treated the poor have not done as much as we're supposed to. And then also um, reaching out to those in, in prison, those behind bars. So there's several different things. And what God wants us to do with that, Jared, is he wants us to not only repent for our personal sins, but also for the sins of our, our fathers. And a lot of people go, why should I do that? I mean, I, you know, I wasn't actually guilty myself. But like Robert Henderson talks about in his book about the courts of heaven, how those things actually, I mean, infest our bloodlines. So they, they go forward with us and it, and it keeps us from becoming the people that we need to become, uh, that God wants us to become. Uh, when we have those things hanging over us. And then in the book itself, I give a very personal testimony about my grandfather, something that happened with him, uh, that he he witnessed uh, his little brother getting hit and killed by a truck and the way it affected him. And then, and this, this played out over a period of time. I mean, this happened before I was born, before my dad was even born. And my dad was the, actually the oldest child, but the Lord showed me how, how it affected me. You know, because it affected the way my grandfather raised my dad and his siblings, and then the way my dad raised me, is it just fascinating that that God wants us to set us free from from everything? He wants us to you know have a life full of joy and where we can move forward. So the All In 2020 team in Alabama that has started uh, going to every county in Alabama and they they pray through all of these different things, wow. and um. And a lot of people don't know this, but the name of Alabama, uh, it means to open or close the thicket or thicket clearer. And when I was in the third grade, 10 years old, we had a test in school in Mobile. One of the words on there, it's the only one I can remember actually on the test, was Alabama and the definition. And Jared, for 50 years, the definition had been popping back in my head randomly to open or close the thicket. And I had no clue why. For 50 years that it just popped in my head until found out what was going on here in Alabama. And I realized that God wanted me to be a part of all this. Wow. So that's, that's how this book came about the, the George Washington Carver effect much more than peanuts. I had to tie the great awakening in with the importance of how, how important the economy is. Yeah. And you mentioned the economy, a supernatural economy. Right. Can you explain that or expand on that for our, our viewers and our listeners? Yeah. And, you know, um, I think one thing you, you asked me about my vocation, I deal with a lot of small businesses. That's uh, probably 99.9% .9 of the people that I work with on advertising is, is small businesses. They are the backbone of our country. And last night I was reading uh, just how many million are versus the big corporations that might have employed 500 people. But anyway, what, what the Lord has shown me is that it's going to be a grassroots type thing. It's going to be from the small businesses that are going to come up with new innovations, new ideas, new concepts, also just new businesses that are, that are opening. I have uh, one myself, and, and I know a lot of people, actually, they might laugh about it, but it's, it's 
actually I'm looking into uh, something where I found might be a new hair growth formula for men. So, you know, hey, there's hope for us. You know what I mean? And and I actually right. discovered that by you could say accident, but I think God put me in the position for this all to happen. So just stay tuned. We may all have a full head of hair before it's over with. <laughs> well, inventors, a lot of inventors got dreams from God, words from yes. God. And I know your book shows that about George Washington Carver. Right. What are the, some of the ways that God spoke to George Washington Carver when you get, came across his life story? Well, you know, just in him growing up, such a fascinating story about him because he was born into slavery and uh, he had every right to be mad, to be angry. A lot of people that don't know his history, his mother, his sister, and he, him were kidnapped by con Confederate guerrillas. I think it was in 1864. Mm -hmm. The Carvers who owned them, and that, by the way, the Carvers didn't actually believe in slavery, but they, they did purchase the Car um, George Washington Carver and his family just to give them a safe haven and an employment, so to speak. But anyway, a man, after Carver and his family were kidnapped, um, a man went with, uh, took a, a racehorse that Carver owned and went to negotiate with these conf Confederate guerrillas. They shot the horse that he was riding, that he rode on up there, they stole the, the racehorse. George Washington Carver's mother and sister were not there. I think they had already been sold back into slavery somewhere. Carver was just an infant, and he was wrapped in a blanket. They took him and tossed him on the ground. And the, the guy that went up there to negotiate with him picked him up, put him inside of his coat, and walked back to the Carvers and brought him back. Now, Carver, George Washington Carver, he got whooping cough because of the weather and he coughed so much that he actually tore his vocal cords. So there's video of him. And when he talks, he has a very high raspy voice and that's because of what happened to him back then. But, um, with Carver, uh, like I said, he, he had every right to be angry. He, he began to just nature began to speak to him and he was kind of a, um, sickly child. So the Carvers didn't make him do much manual labor, just, help around the house that type of thing but he would he would go out to the woods pick flowers bring them and set them on the table before the the meals and that that type of thing he was just fascinated with plants and and that type of thing god only god can do something like that you i mean you take somebody at a child that had that kind of interest and then it, it ends up where he actually goes to a college uh white college which was unheard of back then was accepted and how god just used him so in so many ways to come up not only with so many uses. I think it's, oh, he came up with over 300 uses for peanut, soybeans, and so many other things. Like, for instance, uh, Henry Ford, he showed Henry Ford how plastic could be made from soybeans. So Henry Ford made parts of his cars out of uh, soy, out of um, plastic that were made from soybeans. Uh, just a, a really amazing. That's exciting. From your book and from everything that God revealed to you prophetically, what was the strategy that that God gave you that the church needs to implement? Well, we need to be awake for one thing and understand what's going on. I know I have felt like with the, the last election that God gave us a reprieve. And if he gave us a reprieve, the question that I've, I've asked uh, many pastors is, what is it we should be doing now that we weren't doing then? And only one of them really gave me an answer and they said evangelism. And that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's the short answer. But the, the bigger answer is ecclesia, which means God wants to, his government implemented on planet Earth. 
the other thing is, is, and I want to read you something um, because, uh, Jared, one of the, the things I would, you know, when I was writing this and, and it's the, the prophetic parts about 46 pages long, this was difficult. This was above my head, so to speak, but God still chose me of all people to, to put this out there. One of the things that just was a struggle for me to understand is I, I knew that the, the great awakening had to be tied in with the economy. And I yes. just, you know, I could barely get a paragraph written and I would have to leave and go to a nearby park and watch the squirrels play and read my Bible and pray and ask God for further revelation. And every time I did, he, he would lead me to information. And this is something that, that just nailed, nailed it on the head, so to speak. It was written by or said by, stated by Lance Wallnow, which is a, a pretty well-known name. Praying for an economic turnaround is the most important thing you and I can do. For the American economy is the lifeblood of influence throughout the world. And our role as a leader and economic force is to represent a system and a government of freedom. If we go down, the credibility of our nation and its system of freedom goes with it. If this happens, people will then begin to embrace Marxism and totalitarianism and the church will find itself in a greater darkness than it has ever seen before. That's not God's plan. We must join in praying for a realignment and an adjustment. A shift must take place in the pulpit with pastors enlightening the people to the battle that is taking place and what we are called, what he has called us to do. So, I mean, let me, I can't make this clear enough to people. The economy is the most important thing that we need to pray for because it opens the door for the gospel to go throughout the world. If we right. lose our economy, we, and we've already seen this, where, where you have people in the streets, you know, screaming for socialism and totalitarianism, and and they, they want that form of government, which is not the, the type of government that God wants for us. But if that happens and our right. economy goes down, then the church is going to be impotent. It's going to have very little influence in the community in the state, our nation, and much less throughout the rest of the world. And so, you know, I would just say to people, hey, it's time, and nobody specific, but it's time for us to get our head, heads out of the sand and understand what's going on. Yes, I'm in full agreement with you there. I'm wanting to see the church shine brighter now more than ever before. And there are some, there's a lot of suppressing of Christian worship, church services, going on in the United States of America, a lot of people don't see what's really going on in the background. And it's a purely evil system. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. But we pray, but we still need to act and we still need to vote. We still need to uh, love people. We do need to deal with injustice, like seeing God's heart through these things. Right. But I do believe revival if it's not here yet, because we're seeing, I'm seeing parts of it through the Sean Foyt movement and some things going on right now, but I believe we're on that cusp of, it's almost two paths that we can go down. One is the path of great awakening. The second is demise. Yeah. And I don't want to see that for my nation, my nation that, that I've served for in the Marine Corps, Amen. you know, uh, my nation that I've, I've been praying for and been living at besides on deployments. But what, what are you seeing? Like, do you think that there's two paths that we can take is what, what are we supposed to do? Well, you know, um, 
a good friend of mine, Clay McLean, told me one time that when when America was set up, that God planted two trees, and we had our choice, just like Adam and Eve, which one we were going to uh, eat from. We have seen ourselves eat from both of them. The atrocities that happened, you know, against the Indians, uh, the slavery, different things that we were eating from the wrong tree. You know, I mean, there was a lot of greed involved. Right. But we, it's, we, I think that we're finally waking up. I think most people realize it's the most important election that we're, that we're going to ever have. Because yeah. if, we, if it goes the other way, it's over with. I really believe that. And I'm not the only person that said it. Everybody that I talked to has said the same thing, that we're going to go down. We're not, we're gonna, you know, not going to be able to fulfill what God has us to do. But I, I believe with all my heart that God's not going to let us fail, that he's not through with America. And that uh, November the third, and and not you know I not only pray for President Trump and him winning a second term, but I also pray to re retain the Senate, for us to retain the Senate, and also to take back the House. I mean, my gosh, that man has gone through more than I could ever put, you know put up with. But if he if we have those three things, and then also a Supreme Court, we can we can get some things done. We can move those ancient markers back into place. Where, where they're supposed to be that our forefathers put there and we can go forward. And I, and I, but I would see it's not only a supernatural economy. I'm, I'm talking about like, you know, when Solomon, you know, how wealthy he was and people came to visit him to see if it was true. I can see Kings and leaders from other worlds just beginning to cry out and realizing what's going on here and say, surely they must worship the one true God. That's going to open up the gospel for us to go out throughout the world, you know, and bring souls into. So the economy is very much in, in um, uh, tied in with the, the great awakening that's happening. And I'm proud to say that here in Alabama, God chose Alabama to be the first state to begin to open the thicket for the Holy Spirit to come in and for his influence and to go forward throughout the rest of our nation. So a little bit proud of that, as well as Alabama Christmas tide. So. <laughs> Amen. Brett, I would love for you to pray for people viewing and people watching okay. and what God has coming for us. Absolutely. Um, I knew you were going to do that. So, you know, it, it, it can really can't be said any better, I guess, than the, the sample prayer that I wrote in the book. So I'm going to read that. And um, Father, I call upon your name, knowing that you have something in store for America and the world like we've never seen before. And I want to be part of it. Yes. Help me, Father, to posture my heart like your servant George Washington Carver did. And as I pray for our nation's economy, it will open doors so that your gospel will go out unhindered and reach millions yes. throughout the world. I realize in order for this to take place, you are asking me and others to first close up the injustices our ancestors have been guilty of. I also know you're asking me to do my part in stopping abortion, to give to the poor, and reaching out to those who are imprisoned. I pray that as I spend these next 20 days in prayer for you, you will enlighten me as to what steps I need to make, and I will take notes so that I won't easily forget them. Also, Father, as I pray for our nation's economy, I ask you for ideas, innovations, and new business directions for myself and my family. You, Lord, hold the keys to heaven and know where each hidden pathway on, on earth is and where it's been placed. And I'm asking you to reveal them to me so that you may be glorified. 
I also ask you, Father, to protect our president, to give him strength and wisdom as he acts on our nation's behalf and replaces the ancient markers that we removed, that were moved by others. To you, I give all the glory, praise, and worship. Amen. 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 Thank you, Rhett. Sure. What is the best way for people to get a hold of you and get a hold of the copy of the George Washington Carver Effect? Okay. Uh, the book's available uh, through Amazon. You can also order it through Barnes & Noble. Hopefully one, you know, soon that they will start stocking it. But right now you order it through Barnes and Noble and Amazon. And the best way to get up with me is uh, through email. It's uh, rhett.barbary at yahoo.com. And I'm also the only Rhett Barbary on Facebook. So if you want to friend request me, feel free to do that. And then also on Facebook, I have a page called the George Washington Carver Effect. And what it's set up to do is for people to, to share different ideas and innovations that they've seen in the marketplace. Uh, it could be a video or just a testimony or anything like that. So feel free to reach out to me throughout any of those ways. That's awesome. Rhett, thank you so much for being part of Adventures in the Spirit. This was enlightening. It was insightful. It was powerful. And I want to encourage everybody out there to pray, seek the face of Jesus and go do what Jesus did. Ask for the forgiveness of injustice. Start speaking into justice, decreeing and declaring justice right. over our nation and around the world so that we can continue to shine brighter than ever before, shine the light of Jesus. And if anybody does not have a relationship with Jesus, if you're watching this in Pakistan or in any other country, there's a number on your screen that you can call to give your life to Jesus or send in prayer requests. At the same time, I want to encourage everybody to subscribe, rate, and review Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky podcast, available for you on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the Charisma Podcast Network. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation in Adventures in the Spirit. We hope that this podcast encouraged and inspired you to press into Jesus and launches you into your own adventure. You can stay up to date with Fireborn Ministries by going to our website, firebornministries.com, and like us on Facebook. And may you have your own Adventures in the Spirit. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts.